this one is going to be different than most of our podcasts. Um, I'm going to have Dr. Austin Kolish ask me a couple questions. So he'll be host, I'll be guest. Um, and hopefully you guys get a little bit out of my journey. Obviously, uh, it's not my favorite topic talking about myself, but Austin did a really good job of pulling some things out in terms of the founding of True Sports Physical Therapy, what makes us different in the field, and how you can jumpstart your career, whether you're thinking about entrepreneurship or whether you're thinking about just improving your clinical outcomes, your clinical interactions and the buy-in with the patients that are sitting right in front of you. Um, there's some some real gold here, some real notes to just kind of jot down and think, how am I going to incorporate this into my day-to-day? Austin did an outstanding job of pulling that out of me um, and really being able to enhance your careers. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. Please, please, please share this with your friends, leave us a review, and let us know what we can do better so we can continue to provide you with outstanding content, resources, education, and tidbits to make your career better. Because that's what we're doing at the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. So thanks for listening along. Can't wait to hear your feedback. Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Every once in a while, I find myself sitting down to interview titans of this profession. And today, I find myself across from Dr. Austin Kolish, his second time around on the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be sitting across from you again. Um, it is awesome to see your adaptability. I think it's one of your number one traits. So when we sat down to do this podcast, we sat down to do a podcast with Marcus Holman, who is arguably one of the best lacrosse players in the world. Yeah. Um, and we had some technical difficulties. And so Marcus being a star, he had things to do. Us being physical therapists, we have very little to do today. Um, so Marcus had to run. And Austin said, well, why don't we put together a pod, just me and you. Um, and we came up with a, a couple ideas, one of which is we're going to switch roles a little bit. So yep. Austin is going to talk to me as if anyone listening gives a damn. And that's just me a couple questions about what it is I do for a living professionally, um, my favorite foods, <laughs> my hobbies and interests. Yeah. So, I mean, as you mentioned, Yoni, I've known you for a while. Um, there's one thing I definitely know that's true to you is that you don't like talking about yourself. I hate it. So I am super honored and excited to be sitting, um, I'm going to say the host chair Hell and yeah. be asking you some questions. Um, so just thinking about like some milestones, you know, we're coming into the end of the year, heading into 2024. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but True Sports began in 2014. 2014, February 11th, 2014. So I treated my first base. Huge milestone, right? I mean, we're coming up on 10 years of you owning this awesome practice um, that has just grown and exploded. So I, I really want to start there and dive in and just like pick top level brain. You know, like talk about what was what was that experience like 10 years ago? And I guess let's start with um, you know what made you decide to like take that leap into business ownership. What made me do this to begin with was I saw a real lacking in the marketplace. I came out of graduate school and thought all physical therapy looked like the way we practice now. Right. And it doesn't. Nope. Um, I found myself, I took my highest offer coming out of graduate school, uh, which at the time was $68,000. Um, and it was far and away the, the best offer I got. The guy said it was an orthopedic practice. He said it was a sports-based practice. Right. I quickly learned um, that neither of those were true. 
Um, I was treating uh, very rapidly at a very rapid pace, three patients an hour. Um, and I did a lot of handing off. Um, and that wore me out really quickly, unfortunately. Every day I would walk in and do the math of how much more I was making that day than I would have made had I taken a lesser offer. And it was like pennies. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And so, so that was in um, Baltimore, Baltimore County. And I looked around and said, okay, let me find a sports place. I don't care how much I make. Um, I was lucky enough. My wife was working as a nurse at that time. And I just didn't care about money. Right. And I was like, um, let me just find an awesome job. Um, and there, there wasn't much um, in Baltimore. And so I'm like, okay, let me look at a bigger market. And I looked in New York. My wife's a New Yorker. I did my last rotation up at Manhattan Sports and Manual in the heart of Manhattan. And I said, let me look up there. Yeah. And I looked up there and I found one or two places that I thought actually were sports places. And they offered me less money in Manhattan than I was making That's in crazy. Baltimore County. It was yeah. crazy. And it's funny you mentioned that. And I talk about this a lot. I think we actually talked about this when I was last in the pod. But that idea that the marketing towards the general public that doesn't know the difference and they'll put sports medicine, they'll put sports rehab, they'll say we treat athletes and they'll slap that on anything. And you walk in. Yeah, it's exactly what you described. It's a mill where they're treating four or five an hour. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's like an older population, maybe even like geriatric uh, orthopedics. Um, so I, I definitely relate with that. And I, you know, 10 years later was going through that same type of search initially when I came out of school. Um, so what, what was crazy to me was the economics. I, I, just, right. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why I would be making less in Manhattan than I would here and my rent would be double. Right. Um, and, and I think that's really based upon reimbursement rates. Mm -hmm. And they're actually lower in New York oftentimes than they are in Baltimore. And it's just you think about it from the insurance side, they're they're covering so many more people. Right. So those dollars get spread across a, a much wider population. And so there's less to give out per session, right. per therapy session. And so there's less for the business owner to give to their therapist. Um, I, I think that maybe that's changed a little bit, but but not to any discernible difference. So mm -hmm. you're still going to make just about as much in Manhattan as you would make working in Baltimore. I, I don't get it. And yeah. I didn't get it then. And so what I did was I found a sports practice that was a practice of one in Baltimore as uh, one PT. I was his first hire. And I said to the guy, um, I want to join you. We're going to blow this thing up. Yeah. There's no one doing sports here. I'm telling you, we can do something powerful here. He, he wasn't doing any team sports. He didn't have a team sports background. And so that's what I did. I joined him. Um, and within a year, I was there for one calendar year. Um, we hired two PTs and doubled our footprint. So wow. we were in 3,000 square feet. We went to 6,000 square feet. We brought on a strength coach. We brought on two physical therapists. Okay, wow. Um, and we were rocking and rolling. Yeah. And I looked at the guy and said, hey, remember, like, when I joined you a year ago, I told you we would blow up. And right. I told you when we blew up, I want a piece of the action. Mm -hmm. I want some type of ownership or some type of profit share or something. And he offered me a $5,000 raise. Okay. Um, I, I remember specifically he offered me, um, I think I got up to 75 or 80,000. So um, not correlated with what you thought you were generating and contributing to the whole correct. business picture. Correct. And, and by the way, I, I tried to be very present in looking at that offer sheet. And I try to remember that offer sheet when I talk to therapists here mm -hmm. and say, commensurate with what you're bringing in is what I want to compensate whoever joins me here. Right. 
And so if you're treating 40 hours a week, you're producing this amount of revenue, mm -hmm. this is what you should get paid. If you're doing more than treating 40 hours a week, um, you should get paid a little bit more. Right. If you're managing and generating business to fill other therapists, yep. you should make more. Right. If you're managing multiple clinics, if you're managing all of our clinics, it, you should be making more. Because I remember what that felt like. Yeah. I remember it just didn't make sense to me. And so I tried to flip that script and I try to keep that front of mind as we go through a hiring process. And, and now we've grown to, I think we're up to like 45, 50 physical therapists right. to figure out how do we come up with those different comp structures. Um, and, and so th that was my mindset. So back to 2014, you know, looking at that offer of called 75, 80,000 compared to what I thought I could do on my own. I said, why don't I just do this on my own? Um, well, I think it's crucial that you, you had a year of doing it basically yourself. I mean, it was you and another guy essentially, you know, starting a business, blowing that up specifically targeted to the patient population that you wanted to see. So that year I'm sure was huge and actually building the confidence and, and the business know-how. I mean, how, how hands-on were you like during that first year? In terms of like marketing everything. and like, okay, the hiring process, all that. Everything. Okay. Um, that, it, that sounds like a smooth transition to 2014 when I opened. It wasn't. It wasn't. And here's why it wasn't. It took me three years okay. of, of looking at that offer sheet and then trying to negotiate for more. Oh, so you were with them for, okay. It wasn't I just was a year. With, yeah. Okay. I was with them for a year. We made that huge gain. Yeah. I got really lucky in hindsight that. My boss at that time tore both of his bicep tendons okay. um, on, <laughs> on each arm. And so the reason I say that, I remember very clearly, uh, I forgot how he tore the first bicep, but I rehabbed his first bicep. It was the first bicep repair that I'd ever seen. Love it was that. on my boss. Love that. Um, and then fast forward like six, six months later, um, he obviously was out of that brace and we were moving into our bigger location mm -hmm. and he was moving large rolls of rubber flooring off the truck with his good arm Oh, when he felt oh, his, wow. <laughs> his good arm go. And I'm watching this happen and I'm like, he's going to be incapacitated again. Yeah, He has surgery again. Yeah. And so my life kind of, my clinical life kind of starts over again because now I'm treating his whole caseload mm -hmm. now that he has no arms. Mm -hmm. I'm rehabbing him. That's crazy. And I'm trying to figure out like how we're going to grow. And so and by the way, that's when I studied for my um, OCS right. during that time period. <clears throat> so studying for OCS, trying to grow this clinic, treat his entire schedule, treat my entire schedule, supervise the two therapists we had brought on. So, and then I, I was in this rut of negotiation for three years, mm -hmm. growing this clinic, negotiating, doing all the crap I just described. So that's where I really started to learn, wait a minute. I actually think I can do this on my own. I didn't think prior and I didn't even have the need to, I would have been fine partnering with him right? just for more than $75,000. I thought at the time. Um, and so that's really what pushed me to say, this guy obviously doesn't see my value. Mm -hmm. um, I was 32 at yeah. the time. So I got two kids at home or maybe I had one and one about to come. I'm like, it should it should be now and you asked me what it was like i think was one of your questions sure and the word i would use would be 
terrifying. <laughs> it's it's funny hearing that story, and I feel like that's um, that really relates. I've probably with like a lot of the clinicians we bring on now, where it's like you're shot right out of a cannon, right out of grad school, and then you're kind of like thrown into the hecticness, hecticness of like the real world, um, treating a caseload. You know, for our CDs and our RDs, definitely taking on more of like a management role. I see a lot of that in how you've built the structure here. And it sounds like you've really learned from those lessons of having to be through that yourself to kind of make that as streamlined as possible. I know I've seen that change. I'm going on, if you include the that first year when I was here as a student, this will kind of be year four going into five. Um, I've seen that change dramatically in terms of like our own structure here at the company. I think it's just awesome to hear like your own story. I think if somebody came in off the street now to meet Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt, CEO of True Sports, they would just assume, well, he's always had that knack for for business ownership. You know, he's always had business acumen. Think that's true? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, not true at all. Didn't learn a damn thing in graduate school about running a business. Right. I think they tried. Um, there was one class. Uh, I've I've shared this story before. There was one business class that they provided us in graduate school at University of Maryland, Baltimore. Um, and I submitted essentially what was my business plan for true sports mm -hmm. as a project right. in that class. I think I got a C. <laughs> um, and like my whole idea, I thought this was genius, was to rent smaller spaces in big athletic facilities and try to grow a practice like that. Do you still have those papers? I would love to see if you could pull up that that like proposal from grad school and see how closely that reflects now. Do you, Dude, what do it's you the think? Same thing. You think so? Yeah, first of all, I definitely have those papers. Second of all, um, it was exactly the same model that we, and by the way, now it's, it's really commonplace in the market hmm. that, that we've seen this model right. work. Right. Um, so I think I was onto something there. I'll tell you what else I have. I have a, um, an email. My, my mom actually just gave it to me because it was like in a stack of, of papers in my old bedroom um, when I was living at home. Um, as a college student, and it was an email that I sent to University of Maryland saying, here's why you need to take me into your program. I know my GPA sucks. <laughs> I know it's horrible, but I've done this, this, this. Yeah. By the way, I'm good at this, this, this. Take a chance on me. I'm going to make you look really good. It was an email that now it, it, it was printed out on paper that I had to tear off the sides of the paper mm -hmm. because it had those holes that old school printers used to use to flip things through the printer. And it's just the way print before laser printers were everywhere. That's what we use. Yeah. But that's the I'm going to say, that I don't we, even know what you're yeah. talking about. So, so <laughs> and, and maybe like three people listening do, but, but it was, it was typed up on that paper, but it, I think it shows you, I, I didn't academically, by the numbers, I didn't deserve to get into graduate school, but no, there are things. Yeah, no, for sure. And what I'm hearing from that is that you had self-awareness to know, hey, what am I good at? And and also you had vision. I mean, I think like that's super important for anyone who's interested in going to business ownership or management or whatever. Um, I think kind of as you take these, these steps that life gives you, you one, you got to be reflective to kind of like learn from those mistakes. But you also have to be self-aware of what your strengths are. It sounds like you, you definitely did that. Well, they were my they were my only strengths because it, it wasn't because the academics obviously weren't there. Um, you mentioned that you've seen a lot of growth in true sports with our clinic directors that CDs with our regional directors. That's the RDs you mentioned. Um, these are therapists that manage other therapists. Tell me what growth you have seen and then tell me 
what what do you want that next stage to look like yeah so the first part i mean coming on as i mentioned i was here as a student for about three four months um and i think at the time we had maybe three or four clinics mm -hmm. um so i think that title of like a clinic director and definitely an rd already did not exist back then right. um so from a i guess opportunity standpoint i've seen that grow and flourish um but i think we and I know you and I have had, and all the other RDs and Tim, like we've had some big discussions on how do we continue to improve that leadership process um, and just provide more structure. As you know, you've mentioned, we've grown, we have 50 clinicians. We're going to continue to grow. I think making sure that we have that backbone to lean on. Um, so I've seen that from like a day-to-day -day operation standpoint. It's funny when I think about my roles here, um, for anyone who follows me on social media, it looks like I just play lacrosse all day. I mean, that's partly true. Um, but a lot of the stuff that's not seen goes into the nitty gritty of management and, um, you know, uh, maintaining relationships with our staff, making sure that people are getting the needs that they, uh, are getting the needs that they have met. Um, but also make sure that they feel comfortable here in, in the company and whether that looks like, you know, day-to-day -day operations, like having access to equipment or knowing that, Hey, there's a, there's a year or two or three or five, 10 year plan for them to be in this career, yeah. to see the patient population that they want and to stick with us. You use an important word there. You use the word career. And I think that's one of our shortcomings early on. I'll keep it on me. My shortcoming as a leader early on was trying to have the vision of how do we turn this from a job into a career with ladders and steps that you can climb. And we did that. I'd say we did that like three years ago ish when we came up with this regional director idea. Um, but then more recently, what is it what does it look like and how does it fit in when you're not a clinic director right right like oh, how are there other avenues you can go or other directions you can pursue that's not just first treating more right second managing a clinic there are only so many clinics we can open yep. as we've learned um and swung and missed at a, at a few um and what are other needs of the business this business needs more than just people treating one-on-one -on -one for 45 minutes. 100%. We need someone in charge of clinical education. We need someone in charge of continuing education. We need someone um, involved in, let's call it clinical morale, mm -hmm. um, engagement. What are those ladders um, and what are the needs of the business? And then who fits them? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's, that's coming out. I, I love that you love the structure that we currently have regional directors. It's worth sharing. One of the mistakes we made early on was we developed these regions. They weren't just geographics really, um, where you'd be a regional director, let's call it in location a, and then we have another regional director location B or area B. Well, what happens? How do we prevent? Yeah. Uh, a conflict or, or fighting, for lack of a better word, between those regions. I want everyone pulling for true sports, right. not just for Austin Colish, mm -hmm. right? And one of the ways we've gotten around that is said, okay, here are your regions. It's nice to say everyone is super altruistic. We want the whole business to grow. Sure. That's great. But it, but when it comes to putting food on the table, it, it, those are those are real. Those are tangible things you're arguing about, or or maybe butting heads about mm -hmm. no that's my referral source right. no, that that i developed that patient lead why are they going to to tim's region or someone else's mm -hmm. region and and one of the ways we've tried to get around that and work around that is say you're managing a region so you're going to get comped and bonused on your region 
But not only that, you're going to get comped and bonused on the health of the whole company. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the, I think the mistakes we made early on. And, and I think that's something we're still trying to brainstorm around, but that's one of the ways we've gone around it is to say, Austin, you're running this region, but also you see an upside when the whole company, um, survives. So I highlight that to say, um, it's, it's, uh, th- there's a learning curve there mm-hmm. and we're, we're pushing the envelope and, and there are going to be some bumps. Well, I mean, honestly, that's why I love it. Right. Cause I think you do a good job of, um, you know, maintaining professionalism and operating at an extremely high level, but also being candid. And, uh, you know, especially from the RD level, like I've seen that candidness in you. And, you know, sometimes you'll show up to meetings, you're like, look, I made a mistake here. And like, we got to learn from that. Um, I think really that's all you could ask for. You know, I think that translates so beautifully to the rehab side too. Like sometimes, you know, early on you're, you're rehabbing an ACL and maybe you added too many plyos, you know, foot contacts that week and their knee blows up. Okay. Well, what do we do? We take a second, we reassess, we dial it back. And then we go on, we move forward. Um, So that's why I appreciate it because it's shown that this has been a growing process. And for you to hop on a pod and say, I don't know anything about business ownership as a CEO, um, it's really important and validating for me as someone who works in the company here. Look, but I'm figuring it out. And, you know, we've seen that. Um, As you mentioned, like shifting to career, again, that's something that really excites me because I love each of the clinicians we have on. Um, And part of the vision is like, you know, spreading essentially the good word of true sports, which by the way, is just one-on-one care, one-on-one care for 45 minutes and operating at a really high level meeting athletes where they need to be. It's something you talk about all the time on these pods. Um, and it's something that every one of our clinicians really believe in. In addition to just like learning from your mistakes, uh, any other good resources, or did you have a mentor perhaps that kind of helped you navigate this space? I've had, yeah, I've had a few mentors. Um, I still do. Um, I had a mentor who was very, was very close to me, um, shares a family line with me. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so early on, um, I've always been gung ho about whatever it is I do, um, yeah. business wise, sports wise, whatever. Um, and I, I got really into this entrepreneurship concept. I got into this entrepreneurship concept halfway through graduate school. Okay. And so when I'm talking to my mentor at the time and saying, how do you run your business? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you hire? How do you figure out how to bonus? How do you, what's your interview process? How do you negotiate a lease? Um, how do you negotiate with insurance companies? So you're asking all these questions in grad all school? These questions in graduate school. This okay. is called second year grad school. And he turned to me and he said, can you please just worry about being a good physical therapist? Yeah. Like shut up and figure out how to rehab low back pain. Yeah. How to rehab shoulder pain. Um, I think I'm pretty sure you said those exact words to me about six months in when I was like, all right, what's, what's next? Right. Right. And, <laughs> and so he, he was basically saying like, yeah. just wait, figure it out. The, uh, there's so many great business men in this field. Mm-hmm. There are very few outstanding clinicians that are good businessmen. And what you always have to fall back on, God forbid this house of cards that is true sports falls apart. I know that I can box the whole thing up, put it away. Mm-hmm. It's a loss and mm-hmm. that sucks, but I'm going to be the best physical therapist in Baltimore. Right. So anyone who's hurt can come see me right? and they will pay me to rehab that. Right. And, it, and if it, I didn't have that, yeah. I'm in trouble. And I'm just going to say, for those of you who don't know, um, and one thing I certainly admire about you is Yoni still sees a very sizable caseload and treats 
every day on top of all the meetings he has on top of all the um, business administration stuff almost to a point where it's a little annoying just to get on a phone call with him because if he's if he's not doing business stuff he's treating high level nfl mlb athletes and he's in the gutter he's in the trenches with us um i'm also in the gutter <laughs> but i am in the trenches um and and i think that's important now i don't treat as much as i used to and and that came from another mentor of mine a guy named tim stone who really had to sit me down and say what are you like what are you doing like yeah. you screwed up this business thing because yeah you were doing NFL home visits till 11 p.m. Right. And and you didn't get that phone call or you didn't have that meeting. Sure. And and so that was like a little bit of like taking my own medicine of, of like trying to figure out like I, I shy away from this title of CEO um, that was kind of like forced on me by Tim. But but he's right in the sense that that is now part of my job. I love that. I love it. Mm -hmm. But I needed to realize that 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 is in my job description and if i'm not doing that i got 50 pts that are going to suffer right. i got 20 admin that are going to suffer because right. i'm not doing a good enough job of doing the ceo stuff um i mean the the role changes the role like changes you're, i mean you're definitely doing different stuff now than you were 10 years ago yeah including sitting behind a microphone and talking about myself <laughs> um but but i think it's valid on the flip side we are all in big trouble. I think you as a regional director are in big trouble in this company. If I am barking orders sure. from a CEO position and I don't know what it's like to rehab an ACL, yep. a, a lacrosse ACL from a prep schooler, a low back pain from a lacrosse mom, mm -hmm. an NFL Achilles rupture. Right. I, I have to still be doing that. I My first job, that, that first um position i took in that mill of mm -hmm. a clinic i had a, i had a boss who did not treat um and when he would tell me to do stuff in the back of my head yep. if not coming out of my mouth was shut the hell up dude. Yeah. you don't know what it's like to manage a caseload right so th that's why i still keep my hand in the fire but also there are a lot of times I still freaking love it. Yeah. I'm amazed at what we can do as athletes, as what you guys can do as athletes, as what NFL guys can do, and what the human body can yeah. do. Like you've heard me probably evaluate a shoulder and give a speech after that evaluation of like I'll pull the skeleton over, like I always try to do, and say, This is crazy. Like, look at what we have inside our body yoni loves shoulders i freaking love shoulders they're fascinating to me because <laughs> it is a miracle that they you're right that they ever were it's crazy it's crazy there's so much motion there and how that humor stays inside of the glenoid is beyond me and so i try to relay that number one love and fascination of the anatomy and physiology and pathophysiology mm -hmm. um and and then relay how they the patient the athlete is going to help themselves get better and they better buy in because I'm totally bought in right. on what it is we know how to do. Right. And that's educate the rotator cuff, educate your scapular, stabilize all that stuff. Um, so that, that's the other reason that, that I keep my hands in the fire. It's awesome. And uh, for sure, your patients definitely appreciate it. Um, okay. Let's talk about some like biggest lessons or maybe surprises even. I think I want to go that route more of like, what's something that uh, comes with business ownership that you know you weren't daydreaming about in grad school and maybe year five versus year 10 you've kind of realized like wow okay like 
this is something I wasn't expecting, but I've had to, you know, either adapt to or, you know, could be positive as well. Not just all mistakes. Made. I can't believe the level of responsibility that comes with it. Um, making intelligent decisions, while they might not always be the right decision, impact so many people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I wasn't expecting. I had this conversation with um, Dr. Chelsea Kuman. Uh, when we were when she came to me and said, "Hey, I'm expecting my first child," I did not expect to be so impacted by the fact that an employee of mine was having a child, and she was going to then provide for that child because of the company that we've created. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ready for that, and so that was exciting. That was humbling. That was motivating. Um, certainly not something I envisioned on February 11th, 2014. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you got right? Keeping in mind that offer letter from my second boss, mm -hmm. continuing to keep that front and center to say, is this person being rewarded commensurate to what they're producing? I think I've done that well. Could I do it better in certain instances? Yes. But I think that that has rung true. And and you see it with, with our leadership mm -hmm. that have stuck around who feel valued by what it is we do. Um, sometimes you have to have conversations like, wait a minute. this It doesn't make sense to reward or compensate you the way you think. Right. Because the dollars and cents don't make sense. Um, but to have that front and center to, to know that I hired probably twice before I took any dollars and put them in my pocket mm -hmm. and put it in their pocket first, right. those hires first. Um, I think I've done that well. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about the hiring process. It's something you and I've discussed something I think we're still like learning. What do you, what do you look for in a hire? Like, how do you know if someone's a great candidate? Passion. Yeah. That's it. That's front and center. Yeah. What I've done wrong. Let's hear it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> easy. That's a much longer answer. Sure. Um, what I've done wrong is look for elite level athletes to bring in. I used to think I needed to hire division one athletes, which I am not one. I, Same. <laughs> I used to think I needed to hire very, very, very accomplished academics. Do you have your OCS? Then you can't work here yeah. if you don't have it. Do you have your CSES? Well, then you, you don't meet the grade. You can't be here. That was a huge mistake. I definitely hired people who hit those platitudes, mm -hmm. and I was wrong. Well, you see the other side, too, where somebody can have – CSCS, OCS, you know, whatever, every certification known yep. to man. And then they can't have a conversation with someone. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And I still chose them. Yeah. And I was dead wrong. Um, and it bit me in the ass and it bit the company in the ass. Right. So that's why my answer is passion, period. Gotcha. Today. Um, okay. I wanted to pick your brain on the clinical side as well. Yeah. Um, you know, going into over a decade of treating, which you've been now, yep. what's changed most clinically? You know, what do you do differently now than, um, you know, maybe you weren't thinking about the first couple of years out of school? 
Okay, let's talk pathology specific sure. um, or region specific with, with the knee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, let's talk about ACLs. No one told me about terminal extension and its level of import. I don't know where I learned it. I, I wish I could. I, I would love to give one person credit like, hey, he showed me knee extension and that's the most important thing. But I eventually came to it somehow. This idea of a heel pop and being able to own the patella sliding superiorly, letting it sit down inside the femur. Um, or on top of the femur and allowing that heel to pop up and, and the tibia to translate all the way towards terminal knee extension. I didn't do it early on. And I bet you there are a lot of athletes out there right now that have horrible patellar tendonitis because I didn't tell them to get to terminal right. extension. I didn't show them a bag hang. First time I saw a bag hang, a supine bag hang was when I was studying for my OCS. Call that 20... 13 i guess when i got my ocs i think that's right maybe 12 and that was the number one thing i learned from all of that literature review and the prep for that test was the supine bag hang so i definitely had patients that probably had a quad lag and i was obsessed with doing you have to do a million right straight leg raises well i mean they weren't doing it right i don't think it was just you i mean even now we still see that right we still have how many patients a week a month a day who come in who had started initiated the first acute phases of post-operative ACL rehab at another physical therapy place. They come in more times, not limping, yep. you know, in a fused knee, swollen, ton of pain, don't have that full knee extension. Um, and they just didn't know about it. So I feel to an extent we're a bit in an echo chamber where I hear the word heel pop probably a hundred yeah. times a day yeah. and 75% of it's just coming out of my mouth. Um, but I think part of what makes our true sports community so passionate on that is because, again, we see that every day yeah. limping into the clinic. Yep. Um, so so that, that's me. Yeah. Shoulder wise, um, things that I've come a long way on is this scapular retraction concept. Mm. It is important. It's important that you're able to set your scapula. It's important that you're able to put it in your back pocket or whatever you whatever cue you want to use. It's also important important for it to protract right and for it to slide around the rib cage and how well an athlete handles their scapula and thereby humorous when it's outstretched right when they're following through let's say on a pitch for those of you listening um that came late for me um so so i think that's also super super important the other thing is fai and hip impingement when i came out of grad school so i've been treating for like 15 years when I came out of grad school, I don't think we knew what the hell FAI was. Let me rephrase that. I didn't know what FAI was. Okay. It wasn't covered in graduate school properly. I didn't understand the mechanics of the hip joint, how it relates to the shoulder joint, how similar and also how different they can be. Um, I just think we were obsessed with, at that point, glute strength. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the knee. Oh, it must be coming from the right. glutes, right? And and now we've moved further down the chain towards quadriceps. Right. I'm sure there's... You see it with like knees over toes, him getting into anterior tib and how that's the panacea. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, how have you not been hitting your anterior tib? That's why you have knee pain. Right. Um, that might just be a bit more of a symptom of like social media. No like, we we want to find right. a thing to hang on to. You're right. And and we didn't have that 15 years ago. Yeah. But um, I think we've gotten away from the glute. And I think if you look at studies that glute control and hip control is far less important than quadriceps mm -hmm. control as it pertains to anterior knee pain, whatever that is, whether it's patellofemoral syndrome or whether it's uh, tendonitis, patellar tendonitis. Um, I think I was 
I've seen that come a long way. Right. So I have two thoughts in my mind. One, um, I think it's crazy because you're talking about the importance of like glute strength emphasized in school. By the way, I can't ask school uh, later than you. I'll start the same thing. No, yeah. no one's talking about knee extension or quad loading for ACLs. No one's talking about that for FAI either. Yeah, and, and what worries me about, about that is the professors that are living yeah. in this academia, how much are they treating? I hate to say this. How much are they on social media? How right. much are they looking at what is current? What are the fads? And are we getting that across to the students to whatever degree you like that fad or social yeah. media? But but it's important. And it's it's such a massive sample size. Right. Um, so that there's so much gold there. I look back at some of my professors and think, were they treating athletes? Then why are they teaching that course? Right. Um and and we were just missing it. I've seen my graduate school now start to bring on some faculty that have a little bit more bearing inside that athletic world um, to good ends. Yeah. You know, I, I will get students now that do understand some of that quad loading concept. Some of it's from the graduate school. Some of it's from their own hustle. Yeah. All, I mean, also you mentioned social media. Do you think clinicians are in a better place now because of the ease of access they have to that? What do you think my answer to that? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. I, I didn't have a way coming out of graduate school. This makes me sound really old, but I didn't have a way to find the information. Mm -hmm. What It was very hard to, to unearth these resources. You had to find strength and conditioning. Right. I got lucky that I found strength and conditioning when I joined the second practice that I was part of because they were in-house with strength coaches mm -hmm. who knew a lot more of that world than the doctors of physical therapy. So now we see this beautiful amalgamation of yeah. strength and conditioning and rehab. I mean, I talk about it candidly too. My first year of PT school, you know, I almost dropped out because in my head, I didn't really have a good perception or understanding of what physical therapy was. Yep. I knew I wanted to work with athletes within some regard. Um, what were you going to do? Be a strength coach. And so, I mean, I literally, after year one of learning about how to do a sit pivot transfer and how to do the timed up and go test, yep. I was pulling my hair out yep. and I was like, I just want to be in a weight room and work with athletes and make an impact. Yeah. Um, so I seriously considered dropping out and it wasn't until I think I saw lax doctor, um, throw back to Tim's old handle yep. on Instagram. And then I went down this crazy rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure I sent you a DM. But that was through Instagram. Instagram, like if I didn't see True Sports on Instagram, my journey into sports PT probably would not have right. happened as it did. Yeah, so we're way better off. And I too almost dropped out, but I was going to be a lawyer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned before, like, do I know anything about business? Some of that. What was your undergrad major? Kinesiology. Okay. Did you take any business minors not, or not a thing? And, okay. and by the way, five six years into true sports so less than that i want to say 2019 so five years into true sports i didn't know how to read a profit and loss statement i didn't know what a profit and loss statement was right but i had 15 employees or yeah something like that so what what was i doing well that's why i asked the mentor question are you just got like did you just have like a team of guys who are like hey what, what the heck do i do here so i i'm definitely blessed by my community mm -hmm. in the sense that for whatever reason so many of my buddies own and run their own right fill in the blank mm -hmm. law firms dental practices yep. construction companies so so they're in it they're they're learning it also by the way their their education was not business it was in law 
or yeah. it was in dentistry. Did you find that those other professions kind of like almost helped them with their business ownership? Because I know from my end, again, as you mentioned, I probably had one class. Yep. I'm like, how to run a clinic. Yep. Dental? Yes. Yeah. They are awesome at it. Um, I don't know if it's in their graduate programs, but there's definitely like this awesome, and, and we haven't now in physical therapy um, in the last few years, we've come a really long way with the business side education mm -hmm. of it dental it's there and it's and it's robust and it's awesome so they got it at least once they got out right um i was fortunate enough i forgot who pushed me to take um this goldman sachs business course um it was called Ten Thousand. okay and you applied to get into it i can't remember who told me to do it it might have been my accountant at the time I can't remember, but I owe them a huge debt of gratitude. I owe Michael Bloomberg a huge debt of gratitude because he sponsored the whole thing. Um, Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small business. You can look it up now. Uh, we can put a link in the, in the show notes. Sure. And what you do is you apply to get in. You have to have a certain amount of revenue in your business already. You have to have a certain amount of employees in your business already. And it is business 101. And you're in a class. I think I had 50 classmates, maybe a little bit less. Um, and it's thursday friday for like three months okay and you don't go to work you yeah. go to school yeah you go to class um and they teach you how to run a business and that's you have marketing you have financial statements you have um was that targeted towards healthcare, or that was just like business no, ownership I, not only that i was the only they they section it off they will only take a certain amount of people from a given industry mm -hmm. so there was no other certainly no other physical therapist there was no other medical professional in my class interesting it was a it was restaurateurs hmm. it was teachers um it was a lot of government facing um it was construction workers i stay in touch with them now okay to, to some degree but they taught me so much in they, that three months in that three months and a huge credit to our team here at true sports who allowed me to step away right to go do that um because i was totally absent every single thursday friday and you know i'm absent on saturdays right where just education um and that totally allowed me to have somewhat intelligent conversations with my accountant with my attorney with because i i not with my landlords yeah because I never would have known um, how to go about that. And then... And how many clinics did you have at that point? Three or four. Okay. Four, probably. Okay. Um, so things were picking up and you're in... Things were picking up and I'm you like... You were like, do, I got to... What do I do? Yeah. And and I might have been one of the smaller businesses in that class. Okay. I think like I barely qualified to get in. Um, but it was awesome. And, and, and they had classes like where... Oh, your capstone project was a new business idea. And you had to pitch it Shark Tank style to investors. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And and True Sports won that thing. Hell yeah! Like they were like, people were thrilled with our. It was before we opened Columbia. Okay. My pitch was our Columbia clinic. That's awesome. Why would it? Why did I think it would work? How would I take on money and investors? Um, and yeah, it was it was super super impactful so my question to you and it's a question i get from parents all the time how come there's not more of this how come there aren't more physical therapy practices that are built with the same ethos of we want to provide extremely high level care one-on-one -on -one to athletes 
because it is the slowest way to make a lot of money. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's why. Um, when I talk to my accountant, who is a self-described, just a boring accountant, he just <laughs> looks at numbers and he looks at our PL mm -hmm. and says, Yoni, what are you, what are you doing? If you can make this amount of money treating this many patients, why don't you treat more patients? Right. Double it, triple it, double it. Yeah. And by the way, as soon as you sell this company, whoever buys it is going to do it. Is going to do that. Yeah. So w why are you letting them make all that money? Why are you paying your therapist like this mm -hmm. if you're only generating this amount of revenue? Um, and that's because we're in network that we're only able to generate a certain amount of revenue. And so our margins are slim. Yeah. You've heard me say that yep. a million times. Yep. Um, the money has to come from somewhere. Where is it coming from? And so that's most likely one reason why there aren't more true sports. Yeah. Well, it also sounds like it's a lot of effort on your end. One, to have the passion, as you mentioned, to want to be in that field. Um, but I guess the wherewithal to to take that leap and to start that that endeavor. Um, I think you've done an awesome job. I mean, um, I'm biased, you clearly. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm biased, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have moved down here. I wouldn't have just recently bought a house here. And I wouldn't have, you know, stuck around this long if I didn't see that vision that you've shared with us. And I think that's all credit to you. Again, just being transparent and candid in that well, regard. Well, what, what's crazy is you've been, you, Austin Kolish, have been out of school for three years. Mm -hmm. Go, yeah, three and a half. You're, you're getting married next year. Mm -hmm. Um to the woman of your dreams. Yep. Also a doctor of physical therapy. She's awesome. Shout she's out, shout she out to is Erica. Awesome. Um, Dr. Law. Dr. Law. Yes. I've been, I've enjoyed my time with Dr. Law. She's awesome. But the fact that you're able to do that yeah. is just shows that the model works Yeah, and, and it can work. The ownership of the practice has to realize this is not the easiest way right. to make a million bucks. Right. Like, um, but because of that, because we're not taking all of the money and putting it in the owner's pocket and we're spreading it across, you're able to buy a house. You're able to make a good salary, I hate to say it. And, and you're able to have a career. Mm -hmm. If this was 2016 yeah. and we didn't have these ladders, you would be out on your own just like I was out on my own right. trying to do the same thing. Um, and, and you'd probably be making less money, way more risk. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe you'd be able to, to buy that house. But when you went on vacation, you'd be making zero money. I mean, the risk side is huge. It's and huge. Um, I would challenge any of our clinicians who haven't spent some time thinking about uh, entrepreneurship. But that's a huge aspect of it, you know, the, that, that risk side. For those clinicians out there listening who um, haven't already applied for a job here, yeah. I highly encourage you to do that. But if they're maybe thinking about taking that leap, advice for them, you know, as they kind of start their, their own business. How do you mitigate that risk? Um, one of the ways I mitigated the risk was the model I, I hinted at was renting space in other people's gyms. It allows you to be super flexible. It allows you to be really flexible. Yep. Um, so I think that's that's one piece of advice. Two is if you can have some type of forethought to say, I want this to be a niche practice. I want this to be Austin Kolish, and I'm going to treat the way I want to treat, and it's just going to be me. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? What does it look like to say, 
I don't want it to just be me. I want it to be other people working underneath me. There are different structures and philosophies that go into the founding of that practice. So see if you can have that some type of, of forethought or yeah. foresight. As I mean, the the proof of concept is, is there. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be a PT and see athletes, it's there. Um, but I like your point about like that niche population. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you're, you're treating the people that you want to treat. Um, and it, that's okay if it's geriatrics, that's right. fine. But how do you find them? Where do you find them? And then do you want it to be just you or do you want it to be, um, a business? Um, they're, they're just two different kinds of outlooks, I would say. So, so that would be one really big piece of advice. The Did other, you have the vision that we'd be where we are now? I didn't have the vision that we would be at the scale we're at now. Okay. I did not have the vision that we would be 50 PTs. Sure. In, you think uh, that's important though? So like, say I want to start my business tomorrow. I think I would have been better off. I would have made decisions differently. Mm -hmm. I would have had conversations differently. Right. If I had that thought, I probably would have avoided some of the mistakes yep. that I made it, had I had that vision. So, so that'd be one. Two is, and, and you hinted at it, mentors, it's awesome. And I'm totally open to answering any questions that kind of come my way. So, and everyone is so accessible these days via social media. Right. So find those mentors. But there are, there's so much to learn from people that are not PTs. Mm -hmm. So, um, as much one one he's not my personal mentor but i i love tim ferris like i devoured his books and content he doesn't know physical therapy from adam he might know a little bit now but his precepts and concepts are ones that i employ in physical therapy just like you could do in dentistry just like you could do in anything right so there are these business is business right and so understanding that make sure you are reading one, one of the most impactful books um, that I read was something called setting the table and it's written by one of the leading restaurateurs in the world. Um, I can't think of his name now, but, um, he was the founder of shake shack. Okay. But more importantly, he has also elite level restaurants in Manhattan. Um, 11 park Madison. I want to say is one of his restaurants, one of the top restaurants in the world. How does he run them? How does he relate to the clients that walk in? And he talks about it, um, that it's all about hospitality. Yeah. Um, and that he doesn't know anything about physical therapy. Right. But what makes true sports awesome is our service. Sure. And and we are in the service industry. Right. Um, and if you and Gary V, same way, like once you realize that we're all doing the same thing as providing outstanding care, those become your mentors. So keep learning, keep reading, and don't be pigeonholed to just true sports physical therapy podcast, or just Kelly Starrett, who is a legend in his own right. Look at the Tim Ferriss of the world, mm -hmm. you know, look at the Gary V's of the world. Look at the Patrick Beth Davids of the world. Like these are guys that, that are Titans in service. Right. And that's what we do. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, I love that you, you dropped the book title. Yeah. Any other books? Yoni's an avid reader. He's always uh, challenging me to read new books. Um, give me, give me, Two off the dome. Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadara. He worked for the guy who wrote um, Setting the Table. Okay. Setting the Table was recommended to me by a restaurateur in Frederick, Maryland. Um, but Unreasonable Hospitality, the stories he shares are fascinating. Um, and now, now I'm about halfway through Patrick Beth David's um, Choose Your Enemies Wisely. Those are two books that I would say are are must reads. 
that and I loved um Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> what? Um you're talking something the president of rivals. Okay. Team of rivals. Yeah, because he did something amazing. This guy, first of all, he fails a number of times, right? As we all do. As we all freaking do. Um, ran for office a number of times and lost. Then he wins. Mm-hmm. He wins the presidency. Yoni's also a massive history. And buff, you know what he does? For those who when don't he know. He wins the presidency. You know what he does? <laughs> what does he do? He brings in all of his rivals into his cabinet. Hmm. And he says, yeah, I know we fought about this, but you have obviously these unbelievable leadership skills. Let's work together. Well, that actually ties into a book you had recommended for me, um, probably not uh, long after I had just started. Um, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who's in a leadership position, whether you're a coach, a manager, a CDRD, it was Radical Candor by Kim yep. Scott. She That book was awesome. Um, and she actually narrates the audio version, which is huge. But... Um, you know, part of what you just talked about is like, you know, don't surround yourself with like, yes, men yeah. and, and find ways to have like really critical, candid conversations with people uh, in the ways that you give positive feedback and the ways that you give and receive negative feedback. Like yeah. that's been huge for me as well. And th- that the ability to do that well is, is such an asset when running your own business. The, the name of the author of setting the table is Daniel Meyer. So the the way you share feedback constructively, the way you're able to have tough conversations. I think Tim Ferriss said, we are only as successful in as many tough conversations as we've had. And so just being comfortable in those conversations and developing the ability for the person receiving that feedback to know, I'm not critiquing Austin Kolish as a human. I'm giving you feedback on your work product. Yeah. Austin, you want your work product to be better. I want your work product to be better. How do we work together to make this work product better? As opposed to Austin, you screwed up that eval. Yeah. You know, I saw that review they wrote about us and it sucked. So what the hell? It's very different than sounds like it was a tough eval. Um, you know, they shared this feedback on their review. How, how can we go about this differently next time? And is there a way to maybe rectify that poor patient experience so that it becomes a positive one. I, I really liked that message because it, you're almost dissociating the individual from, again, like you mentioned, their their work product. Like just because you maybe didn't have the best performance at a given task or uh, at a day, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yep. And I think that's like really important. And definitely having seen that um, in a position of responsibility to manage other people, being able to make that separation is like super key. And by the way, going back to the question you asked in the middle of what do I hire for mm-hmm. that passion? If if that person is passionate about physical therapy and about their work product, I know they want to be better. Right. Um, however good they are or however bad they are. You know, like a willingness to learn or grow. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and if they're accomplished academically, if they're so bright and so accomplished, that doesn't mean that they want to get better. Yeah. It just means that they did well on a test. Yeah. So Austin, I, I hate you for making me talk about myself. (laughs) It was great. And I think everyone is going to have a lot to pull from this conversation. Um, Well, thank you so much for being the host. Yeah. Thank you for being flexible. Sure. um, With all of our technical difficulties. Of course. Always growing. Where can our massive audience of sports physical therapists find you? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. You could find me at Lax Rehab. Um, I have my email on there too. So um, I love chatting. So shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. 
um, and let's talk. Yeah, because now you're, you're such a mentor now. It's, it's amazing. Austin at TrueSportsPT.com. You can always email this guy. He will get right back to you. Please feel free to reach out to me, Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at TrueSportsPT.com. I'd love to hear from you. I want to know what makes you guys tick. I want to know how we can do this better. I am really excited about our ACL course that we just produced. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it's it's Austin kind of dragged this out of me. It's it it speaks to a lot of what I wish I knew yep. when I first came out of school, even five years post, of how to rehab your athlete, regardless of the level of competition. But even for those elite level athletes that you're seeing in your clinic, it's going to walk you through step by step how to get them from the table, from the OR table. We have one of the world's best orthopedic surgeons on that course, Dr. Jamie Dries. What they go through on the OR table and how do we take them all the way to coaching, teaching, change of direction, athletic performance, stuff that I massively struggled with um, once upon a time and, and still I'm always learning. So download that course now. I think it's on sale now, so you can find that in all of our social outlets, True Sports PT. That's what we are all across all platforms. Thank you guys for listening. Austin Kolish, don't start another pod. You just got to come right back <laughs> on here. You were great, man. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Yanni. Yeah, man.